Welcome to uh, episode 14 of uh, the Rick Brown story. I found myself uh, in an uncomfortable situation after only two years working in Detroit. I had to find a new job. Unlike Japan, where employees uh, can rely on the personal department on situations like this, but here at, Jim, uh, here at GM, it was up to K&I to find a new home. But maybe not knowing how things worked uh, within GM in situations like this may have created a less of a uh, mental stress. We arrived in Detroit in the summer of 1985. It was my decision to leave California and take on a new life, travel on a different path. Once I got there, I was so into it that I was not in tune with what was happening around GM or the whole auto industry for that matter. Just focusing on the new job, learning the ropes, supporting the family, starting a new life in a new place. I was really oblivious to what was happening around us. We were in trouble, especially the car industry, which was mired in recession. Price of gasoline was going up. People were scrambling to cope and learning, leaning more toward fuel efficiency cars, fuel efficient cars. Big three certainly did not have them, but Toyota and the rest of Japanese makers were there to meet the customer demand. Big three market shares started to further erode. Roger Smith was our chairman then uh, with an unenviable task of keeping GM afloat. To do a makeover of the company as a technology savvy company, GM purchased EDS or the electronic data system in Hughes Electronics and also started the Saturn brand as a Japan fighter. Roger Smith also took aggressive steps to cut costs. You know the routine, product lines were slashed, moved away and relegated the truck business to uh, Isuzu and Volvo, and heads were starting to roll. Having agreed to restrain exports to the US in 1981, Toyota and the rest of Japanese OEMs knew that they would eventually have to build cars and trucks in the US. Test the water on building cars in America, Toyota agreed to a joint venture with GM called NUMI, N-U-M-M-I, and set up an assembly plant in Fremont, California. GM's number one objective from NUMI was to learn from Toyota by working with the enemy. It was definitely a sign of the times. Chevrolet Nova had been a GM muscle car until production of the model was shifted to NUMI. The new NUMI Nova was based largely on the Toyota Corolla. When GM introduced the Geo brand for the 1989 model year, Nova name was retired and became Geo Prism. We set up a technical center near the plant, staffed it with engineers, and tried to absorb as much as GM could glean about how Toyota ran its business, especially its production system. We had GM engineers assigned to both the plant and the technical center on a two or three year rotational assignment. GM also started negotiations with Suzuki to set up a similar venture in, in Canada. It's called Kami. Roger Smith was trying to make GM leaner, more technology savvy, learn from the Japanese and went heavy on automation, thinking that that was the way to go. 
I remember hearing a lot about a whole bunch of robots going into a nearby Hemtramck plant in Detroit. Roger Smith was doing a full court press and some of it, especially the downsizing initiative, gradually fell on corporate staff, including our little group. He and myself being the newest recruits in the group were inexpendable. We had to find a new home on our own, either inside or outside of GM. Everyone was scrambling to either keep one's job or finding a new one. It was really a what the fuck moment for me. I mean, I just got here, so I felt very vulnerable. He ended up moving to England. He was assigned to GM's Bedford van factory in Luton, which was reorganized as a JV, which is in 1987. It built Isuzu-based mid-size panel vans and Suzuki-based microvans. And I'm sure that the uh, Japanese connection had a lot to do with K being tapped to play a key role in this new JV. I remember visiting their home, a lovely home in a quaint little village. I remember he was really into mushrooms for some reason. I don't quite recall exactly how my, my transition started, but I started to explore various options with Kay's help. One option would have been to leave GM and go to work for others. I'm sure Akonet or some other Japanese companies in the area would have hired me. In fact, there were several discussions about such opportunities. Another option was to transfer to the automotive component group, as many of my colleagues have done. The group as a whole was very eager to establish relationships with Japanese suppliers, as I witnessed through my involvement in discussions with Nippon Hatsujo or Akebono okay, Break. There were some general discussions and interests, but uh, they really did not go anywhere. There was also a brief talk of me going to GM in Japan. Being an expat in Japan is a good life, but the work itself did not really appeal to me. And the whole idea of packing everything up and going back to Japan again, it was just a bit too much. In the end, what triggered my next move was Kami. The very first person I met regarding this potential opportunity was none other than the president of GM of Canada, George Peoples. He was visiting the uh, GM headquarters one day and he found time and popped into our office to talk to me about the CAMI opportunity in Canada. Thankfully, I must have created good impression. I moved on to interviews with other GM executives, including Rick Wagner, later chairman of GM, then vice president of finance at GM of Canada. This was my first encounter with Rick, which lasted right through until he left GM in 2009 at the Obama, Obama government's behest. Having passed the test with various GM executives, I moved on to the last hurdle, an interview with CAMI's plan director, Tom Lasorda. Tom was obviously a fast track executive who was handpicked to lead the GM side of Kami, as well as to be the plant director. When we first sat down, he treated and talked to me like I already had the job. Instead of inquiring about my background, he welcomed me and told me how someone like me would be invaluable in a JV like Kami. That was really a good start and made me very comfortable in this new and unfamiliar environment.
In Tom's mind, he likely thought that I would be a very effective interface with the Suzuki folks that were sent to Canada to train, plan, build, and run this plant. Tom welcomed me and asked if I could also sit down with Suzuki managers. Around this time, I was already familiar with some Suzuki executives who were negotiating the JV, like Nakano-san and his boss, Yoshida-san. I first met with Ikuma-san and Narita-san, both Suzuki manufacturing veterans that I have not met so far. They also welcomed me and the rest was history. I formally transferred the GM of Canada to become a member of the startup team at Kami. This was my first direct on-the-job involvement with Suzuki, which proved to be a very critical element in my career progression from that point on. There is so much to talk about Kami, so I split the story into two parts. Tom already had his production team in place. All came from GM except one person who ran the body shop. His name was Bob Beckett, and he was hired directly by Kami JV. Besides Bob, key GM players at the beginning included Don Dees in the paint shop. He's now retired in Oklahoma. He was such a picky eater. When we would travel to Japan, he would only eat bowls of rice and not touch anything else, even something like yakitori. He worked really well with Hashimoto-san in production and Wakuda-san in manufacturing engineering. Both would eventually return to Suzuki to run their assembly plants. Frank Fega in welding, a mystery, no idea where he is now. His father was a big man in GM, ran one of the largest plants. And John Lounsbury in assembly, a great guy, fabulous teamwork with Sagisaka-san, who was his advisor. He was a very meticulous hands-on advisor. If you meet John on the street, you never know that he worked in a tough and rumble plant environment. Great sense of dry humor, always had a smile. But he unfortunately passed away in the first quarter of 2022. And there was Eric Stevens who led, I believe, the quality assurance team. I actually interviewed Eric for a job at Cami. Unlike the rest, he and I always worked in close vicinities throughout our respective GM positions after GM, after Kami. He eventually stepped into the world of manufacturing engineering and with his smarts, made himself a name in the GM hierarchy in Europe and the US. Every GM manager was shadowed by two Suzuki advisors, one for production and the other for manufacturing engineering. I worked closely with all of them, but two particular Suzuki individuals were assigned to me to mentor me, Fujisaki-san and Fujita-san. Both were very kind and professional. I'm not sure about what happened to Fujisaki-san, but Fujita-san, after Kami, moved on to manage Suzuki's business in Southeast Asia. Starting with Ikuma-san, the president of Kami, Suzuki dispatched a group of excellent managers with both technical and people skills, all very good. But some, we needed some time to get used to each other. One such person was Taksan. He led the manufacturing engineering group. He was a tough cookie and he was hard on both Suzuki and Kami people. Very capable and his personality just did not mesh in a team environment at Kami. 
very argumentative, always acting with a chip on his shoulder. What was really refreshing, though, and in a way surprising to me, was all the GM assignees were eager to learn the Japanese way, or should I say the Suzuki way. We call it the Nagare production system. Those guys have worked in the typical GM plant environment that came with all the union rules and constraints, being forced to work with their hands tied behind their back. The Kami way must have really appeared refreshing to these guys. Tom made me the training manager and told me to really drive the people side of the production system, or he called the people system. The head of Kami was a Suzuki veteran named Ikuma-san. He managed all the Suzuki big plans and was tapped by Suzuki to lead Kami. Hardly spoke any English and I became his sidekick, a full-time interpreter and a confidant. Ikuma-san also totally trusted Tom to do the right thing, never meddling, only there to support what Tom and his team do their job. They had mutual respect. His daily routine was somewhat interesting. He'd come into the office early in the morning, sit at his desk, drinking coffee or whatever he had in his thermal, and his day begins with reading newspapers. Sometimes he would doze off while doing it, especially in the afternoon. I remember one time we hear this big crashing sound around where Ikuma-san sat. He literally fell off his chair, dozing off. We kind of looked and looked away at the same time and could not really help ourselves from chuckling. Somewhat reserved, well-respected by his Suzuki colleagues, he was loved by everyone. Then before lunch, he would call me and we would walk through every part of the entire plant. He would make observations and I would write them down. Often engaging with people on the floor. And he comes back to his desk, does whatever the Kami president does, then go for another walkthrough in the afternoon, often with me again. At the end of the day, he would sit with Tom and his team and talk about his observations. I would always be interpreting for him, and those were great learning experiences. I learned so much from both Ikuma-san and Tom. Just imagine sitting with these two veterans discussing issues related to the running of the plant day in and day, day out. You can't help but learn what it takes. I got up to speed very quickly about the business of running a plant. Ikuma-san brought with him a guy named Narita-san, who was vice president of manufacturing, who supported Tom's role as the plant director. Very nice gentleman. Though he also wore the uniform like the rest of us, his shirts and pants were always nicely pressed. He had a beautiful life, a beautiful wife. He just loved Canada. If you met Narita-san on the street, you'd think that he's a banker. Overall, we had a very solid team under Tom, a great cheerleader. I have worked for many great people throughout my GM career and consider myself lucky in that regard. But one reason why I had been able to stay with Suzuki, not with Suzuki, but GM for over 30 years. Tom, however, was absolutely the best leader type I have ever met. I would end up working for Tom again in Europe later after I left Kami. I will talk more about his leadership quality and management style when I move on to my European assignments. Now, let me talk a little bit about the family stuff. 
We sold the very first house we've ever owned in Ann Arbor and moved to Pickering, a town known for the location of nuclear plants. Although Cami was planned to be set up in Ingersoll, Ontario, we had a temporary project office in a place called Whitby, just outside of Pickering. And that place was not very far from the home of GM Canada operations in Oshawa, Ontario. Both Suzuki, GM, and Cami JV personnel were all housed in a prefab structure. After a while, when the work itself became real and much more hands-on, we left Whitby and all of us moved to Ingersoll. From Pickering, where we just rented a place knowing we would only be there for a short period of time, again, we picked up and moved to London, a city 25 miles away from the plant located in Ingersoll. Ingersoll was a small village and for families with kids needing to go to school, it was not an ideal residential location. We bought a house there. The Canadian dollar then was $1.30 to the American dollar. In fact, Frank and Don and a few other GM Canada personnel also purchased their homes in the same neighborhood. In fact, Don and his wife Cookie became our next door neighbor. London was conveniently located in between Detroit and Toronto, 120 miles to each city. Aichan was around 12, Melanie was 11, and Shingo was four or so. And just as what happened in Ann Arbor, where we were welcomed warmly by Jacob's Jehovah's Witness friends, the London group also offered the same courtesy. With their help, our transition to Canada was relatively uneventful. Aichan started going to a local Canadian school, but when an opportunity was given, Melanie decided to go to a French immersion school where several classes were taught in French. She was already showing interest in languages at that young age. Melanie would grow up to end up speaking English, Japanese, French, German, and Italian. With their Jehovah's Witness routines and being surrounded by friends and with the Canadian Headquarters not so far from London, our family got off to a great start. While in Canada, we also ended up with a dog, a Springer Spaniel. We named him Sam, S-A-M, standing for Shingo, I, and Melanie. We were at a small shopping plaza one day and stopped by a pet shop, and we all fell in love. Yeah, that story. He stayed with us through my European assignments and lived a long, happy, and spoiled life. Getting back to Cami, what Tom wanted me to do specifically was the following. Be part of the human resource group, shadow Ikumasan, and be his interpreter. Set up a rigorous assessment and hiring process and manage training from material preparation to actual training serve as Tom's right-hand man, especially dealing with the Suzuki folks. I hired four people, one from GM Canada, Peter Groen, and two others from the outside, Mark and Allison Bricks, and a lady we hired locally as our secretary. I'll touch on this group in the next episode. We did everything from scratch with the help of Suzuki and GM executives who have had far more experience in manufacturing than I had which was zero, and I loved it. It was such a creative work, thinking hard about what to teach and how to teach. 
staying close to Ikuma-san and interpreting his direction to the Kami troop was an excellent way for me to be immersed into the world of Suzuki and what Kami was all about. In speaking on his behalf, people seeing that I had Tom's full trust and that also helped my credibility. Suzuki was truly committed to the success of this operation from the very beginning. Not only had they sent manager level advisors to set up and run each area, who were themselves a very top notch, many of them would return to Suzuki and become plant managers. Suzuki also dispatched close to 200 floor leaders or in the traditional sense, production supervisors. We call them team leaders and area leaders. Each Kami area and team leader was shadowed by an experienced Suzuki personnel. These veterans, both young and old, knew their stuff. We called people that worked on the line production associates. When GM and Suzuki started talking about setting up a JV in Canada, Suzuki was very clear from the beginning. Kami plant was going to be run based on Suzuki principles and production system. That was the red line. If GM instead insisted on using the existing CAW or Canadian Union rules, Suzuki would simply walk away from the project. Suzuki way or no way. Suzuki had no qualms about having a Canadian union representing its people. That was not the issue. They had their own union back home. Suzuki just did not want to inhibit the scope of what each person could do, including production associates on the line. Suzuki wanted everyone involved directly in running of the plant. For them, there were no, there were hardly any lines of demarcation as to who can and cannot do certain things. No traditional demarcation line separating the skill trays and production personnel. That means, as example, all Kami employees will wear a uniform, participate in a morning exercise routine or taiso, as we call it. Each Kami employee will be expected to make so many improvement suggestions per month, as well as participating in group circles and other group activities. Come to work on time, be fully awake and ready to start the day. Quite revolutionary, revolutionary concepts at that time and no compromise. The Kami branch of CAW agreed to adhere to the Suzuki way and formed a union led by one of the Kami employees who went through the assessment process just like everyone else and who passed and got hired. This young union le leader was also named Tom and he worked well with the other Tom, our plant director, Tom Lasorda. My responsibility included the implementation of many of these practices. Tom was 100% behind it. And so were all the managers, including staff heads. But there was only there was always one guy who does not toe the line. And in our case, it was our vice president of finance named Jim Crumlish, a great guy, but somewhat old school. Often in the morning in the staff area, when everyone would leave their chair to do the morning exercise, he would refuse to leave his desk, bury his head in paperwork, pretending not to look. I mean, Ikuma-san is standing right next to his desk and doing his part, but not Jim. Ikuma-san eventually gave him a choice after waiting for Jim to come around. You either exercise or go back to GM. He decided to stay, grudgingly started to exercise and wear the uniform, and eventually became one of the biggest Kami cheerleaders. 
This morning exercise was called Rajio Taiso in Japanese, or literally translated as radio exercise or calisthenics. It is broadcast to the entire nation every morning. And there was a routine that the entire country of Japan followed, not just in plants, but schools, offices, you name it. Wherever people gathered, like in the, like in the plant, that's what, we, that's what people did to start the day. Being the training manager, I had to lead and show how it is done in front of others. Luckily, having grown up in Japan, I was very familiar with Rajio Taiso. And at Kami, the routine came back to me without missing a beat. Kami was initially set up to build 200,000 units per year with a staff and production, production workforce of 1,800 people. Kami start, started producing cars and trucks in 1989. The first models were what we call J1 or Geo Tractor, a Jeep, and M2, Geo Metro, a very small fuel efficient compact model, both based on Suzuki models. In the year I left in 1990, Kami added Suzuki Sidekick, the Suzuki version of Geo Tractor. Immediately after the launch, Kami was ranked high in Harbor Report and often recognized as the most efficient plant in North America and received various JD Power Awards throughout its history. We were all excited to get this plan started. Tom Lasorda was an inspiring leader and did a good job making everyone march toward the same goal. So let me finish this part of the Kami story here, and I'll talk more about GM and Suzuki interactions and the role I have played throughout my tenure at Kami. Again, thank you very much for listening.